today on Keep Classical Weird. So you say you want to go to a symphony concert. But really, what are all the dang rules? Welcome, friends, to episode 60 of Keep Classical Weird. I am your host, Casey Bozell, and today we're going to take a departure from our normal interviews and deep dives into historical figures, and instead focus on something that is, fingers crossed, going to continue to make a comeback in these next few months. What exactly does it look like to attend a live symphony performance? An audience that's drawn to what symphonies do and why they do them are absolutely crucial to keeping the art form evolving and thriving. But there are obviously several barricades in between thinking about it and actual attendance. For some, it's financial. Some think it an art form too elitist and beyond them. And some just find it downright intimidating. It's like a concert, but you have to dress nice and be super quiet. So let's break down some of these barriers. Obviously, ticket sales of full price tickets are very important to the organizations you're trying to support, but there are tons of ways to not have to drop all your money on a quality performance. Many orchestras offer great discounts. Are you a student? A senior? Maybe you even have a friend of a friend who works for the symphony that has access to free tickets. I get offers for complimentary tickets all the time, and half the time I'm not even able to unload them. Are you a teacher who would like a few of your students to have an orchestral concert experience? Look up the operations manager on a symphony website and send them an email to see what they can do. The worst they can say is no. And finally, check out your local universities, community orchestras, and smaller performance venues to see what kind of programs might be coming through. The quality of those orchestras may just surprise you. So a true story, I attended a concert several years ago where a well-known singer-songwriter performed with a symphony orchestra. The audience members that I heard around me were positively Twitterpated at how fancy their night had turned out to be. And the truth is, a night at the orchestra can be as fancy as you'd like it to be. So, while the rest of this episode may be old hat to some of you, I'm going to walk you through what you can expect and what I like to do when attending an orchestra concert. Many tickets to an orchestra concert these days come with access to a pre-concert talk. A free one! It usually takes place 45 minutes to an hour before the start of the concert, and if you can make it, I'd highly recommend it. Sometimes it's with a conductor, assistant conductor, or even someone else the orchestra has hired for education and outreach. You may learn something about a composer that you didn't know, or even some tips on what to listen for in the piece. One of my favorite pre-concert talks I attended was with a guy who played excerpts of what we would hear live on a piano, and even made us sing certain phrases so we would be certain to remember them. The concert itself starts off weirdly ceremonial. Sometimes the house lights will dim, but many times this strange phenomenon will take place where the musicians all kind of quiet down at once without being told. My dad calls this the whistle that only musicians can hear. Then you'll see the concertmaster come out and bow, then turn around to the orchestra. That's when the oboe gives an A for the orchestra to tune to. Sometimes one, sometimes as many as four, it just depends on the orchestra. 
After that, the concertmaster will sit, and that's the signal for the conductor to come out to the podium and take a bow before the first piece. Most orchestras will stand as the conductor comes out. It's both a sign of respect and makes it easier to see that the conductor is bowing on behalf of the group behind them. Symphony programs can vary widely, and actually programming is an art unto itself. That could probably be a whole other podcast episode, but a traditional orchestral concert is often the following format. Shorter, one-movement piece, a concerto featuring a guest artist, an intermission, and then the big piece for the second half, oftentimes a full symphony. Sometimes they're tied together with a theme like nationality or time period. Sometimes they're a variety of different eras of music, and sometimes there's seemingly no rhyme or reason. So I created a sample program just to get you in a good mindset for what to expect. Many conductors prefer to start the piece immediately after their bow. It gives them a sense of urgency, energy, and importance to get the concert started, and it sends a good excitement into the concert hall if done right. For the KCW Philharmonic, they will start this evening with Beethoven's Egmont Overture. After this, the conductor will leave the stage, hopefully during some thunderous applause. There might be a few stage changes here. Perhaps you'll see some winds and percussion players shift around. If there's a piano concerto, they've got to wheel a piano on stage. For my fake concert, we're actually adding a few players to have the correct number on stage for our violin soloist, Henrietta Good Music, here to play the Brahms Violin Concerto. Check your program, though. The Brahms has three movements to it. What the heck does that mean? There's debate over this. So if a piece has multiple movements, that means there are different sections of the music with breaks in between, not unlike scenes in a play. The big difference is, while it's usually customary to clap between scenes, many times audiences will not clap between movements. This is intended to give a cohesive experience that the composer might have intended. Now, I must editorialize here for just a moment. I don't mind at all when audiences clap between movements. In fact, for me personally, I adore it. But I understand that there are certain movements where it might be nicer to abstain. Slower and quieter movements, for example, probably don't need a standing ovation. And while you may be shushed for clapping in between movements by an otherwise well-intentioned audience member, I guarantee the artists on stage are all so grateful for your enthusiasm. Uh, we've now made it to the last movement. With this particular concerto, it's going to be really easy to hear when it ends. It's absolutely with a bang. Some concertos are not as obvious, and the best sign you can see to determine when the piece is over is when the conductor lowers their arms and the musicians all kind of relax. Ah, now it's intermission. 
While there's no wrong way to enjoy intermission, this is my favorite place to talk about the music we've heard so far with whoever will listen. Bring a friend, bring a date, or strike up a conversation with a stranger, because the reaction to everything, the guest artist, the music you've heard, and the way it was executed, is an important and integral part of the concert-going experience. It's what makes live music so essential. So talk about it. It's usually easy to find what you like and don't like, but try to get at the heart of the matter and figure out why you liked it or didn't like it. Before you know it, intermission will be done, and it will be time to settle in for the big piece. For the finale here at the KCW Phil concert, we're going to hear Dvorak's Ninth Symphony for no other reason than I enjoy it. So, by this point, if this is your first concert, a lot of the unknowns have been taken care of. You saw that this symphony has four movements, and maybe, due to the pre-concert talk, your ears are perked up and ready to hear some themes that were demonstrated before. If you spent the intermission thinking about why you liked or didn't like the first half, you were most likely rudely interrupted by the lights coming down, because that's just a freaking hard question. And so you can use this giant piece to expand on your thoughts, test some theories, listen for sounds you like. Hold up. Was that the theme to Jaws? (laughs) Listen, movie composers stole from the absolute best. If you're listening to a piece that's been around for a couple hundred years, there is a strong possibility that there are things that sound like many other things. It's totally legal to light up and get excited about that kind of recognition. There you go. You've done it. If you're in a smaller concert hall, you may even be able to make it up to the stage in time to say hi, good job, or thank you to the musicians. I can't speak for all orchestral players, but I find feedback exhilarating. I've even had an audience member tell me once, I have to tell you, I did not enjoy all of it. Babe, that's valid. And thank you so much for listening and reacting. And that's our show for today. Our theme music is composed by Not Dead composer Thomas Barber. Check out his stuff at thomasbarber.com. Web development support is provided by Tina at citybeautifuldesign.com. Keep Classical Weird is created and edited by me, Casey Bozell. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or shoot me an email at keepclassicalweird at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe and stay weird. Stay weird.